Welcome back. This is this this is the big speech, and we are the speech guys uh, still. In fact, um, and today we are working through some millennial and younger, more modern speeches. Our host is Mr. Matt Schultz. All right, guys, how's it going, squad? If you Very don't good. know, if you don't know the squad reference, you will in a second, maybe. But uh, oh, yeah. our speaker. Our speaker is none other than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, and will probably mm-hmm. likely be referred to as AOC for a good portion of the speech, uh, or our discussion of the speech. But uh, the speech we're doing is her victory speech uh, when she won the 2018 election to become the youngest ever woman elected to the United States Congress. She won the 14th Congressional District of New York. Um, so before we go on, a little bit of a bio for AOC. So she was born in the Bronx in New York um, in 1989, grew up in suburban so York. She's our age. So, so what are we all? We're all like 30, 31? Are you guys 89? Yeah, she's 12 days younger than me. 89 yeah. for me. So we could be in Congress right now, essentially. Theoretically. If we were yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if if we stoop that low, yeah. <laughs> but uh, ah. so so she grew up in suburban Yorktown Heights, so a suburb of New York. Attended Boston University, double majored in economics and international relations. She was an intern for Ted Kennedy, and as the only Spanish speaker, she frequently dealt with problems illegal immigrants and their families were facing, which greatly influenced uh, some of her policies later on. She worked as campaign organizer for Bernie Sanders and for the National Hispanic Institute. Um, she won her the primary election for her district against a 10-term incumbent on her first time running for office. She became the youngest woman ever to be elected to the United States Congress and is a member of the informal young female congresswomen group called The Squad. Of note in her... Uh, legislative career is the first piece of, of major legislation she proposed was the Green New Deal. And this, uh, the main aim of this legislation was to achieve z- net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Uh, this suffered a 57 to nothing defeat in the Congress, so not a great success, but uh, sounds like there were some uh, kind of strange circumstances given the voting. So maybe not uh, an accurate depiction of its support. So you guys heard her speech. Um, were there any main points that stuck out to you? Um, what part of her speech resonated with you? Wait, why'd you pick her? Why we? Why why her? Why this speech? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, AOC one is a i mean just given the millennial theme like i think she is kind of uniquely a voice for the millennials um she seems to really capture what a lot of our generation is talking about and a lot of how our generation thinks um and especially just with how prominent she's very quickly become in terms of the united states congress um speaking at the uh democratic national convention um, is, is no small feat um, for someone her age and in her first term of Congress. Um, and she's just made a, yeah, a lot of splash in the media um, and culturally. So I think she's a very important person to discuss. 
Um, so with that, what, uh, yeah, what part of her speech resonated with you guys the most? I did not realize how the primary content of the speech was how much she wants money out of politics. If I would have like heard, you know, thinking about AOC, everybody knows AOC. It seems like she's been around forever. It's kind of wild that like, really, she's only been in Congress two years. Um, she has made a huge name for herself. Um, I would have pegged her Green New Deal and socialist. Um, I would not have thought that the victory speech was basically all about corporate, getting corporate lobbying money out. Um, I thought much of her policy kind of did resonate me and resonate with me. Um, and yeah, she's got a pretty good, pretty good perspective on a few issues. I would say the part that stuck out to me the most or one of the parts that stuck out was when she kind of refers to it as she says this is a movement so referring to her campaign her nomination like all that stuff um just that you know this is a i don't remember her exact wording but when she kind of referred to it as a movement i think that kind of speaks to a little bit like what matt of what you were saying and that she kind of has i mean in somewhat of a way kind of summed up a lot of the things i do think young people are angry about when it comes to politicians or like landon said money in politics and it's really easy for it's really easy to sit back and complain, you know, oh, 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 I don't like either party, blah, 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 or all the politicians are corrupt. I mean, just all these, you know, the blah, blah, blah. We can go on and on and on of all the things that mo a lot of people would complain about politicians. And yet at her kind of like you said, um, kind of sums that not. Yeah, kind of sums that up and collectivizes it and brings it together. Um, and at an incredibly young age, like you said, I mean she's only 30 years old has able to I mean be elected to Congress and do what most of us have done or most people do sitting on their couches with their friends just complaining about politics she's actually yeah started or I don't know if you would say started but given voice to this movement as she says um and gotten herself in there towards you know to try in her attempt to make change so I just thought that was an interesting what she's been able to do I guess with that I'm sure by now most of our audience has been wondering, where's Mike? We so often hear Mike slamming great points into the mix by now, but I, I do not have much to contribute. Um, so I just want to let our audience know that, that I'm here. I'm mostly going to be a silent engage, as the French say, and I'm going to pass the mic back over to Matt. All right, but but why why uh, when you heard all right the speech is AOC, what was your first thought? What what do you know about AOC without having read or researched anything? Mm. I had uh, never heard. I, her picture looked familiar to familiar to me, um, and I was aware of the Green New Deal uh, existing. Um, but that was the extent of it. Um, yeah, but yeah, she is incredibly young. Mm, boy, can sure make one depressed if they, they have that kind of attitude. So I think that's a point in and of itself. Like, do you know what age you have to be to be a congressman? No. Uh, 25? 25? 25, yeah. Do you know when Lincoln ran for Congress? Uh... 25? 26? I think he ran, he ran like when he was 25, right? Amazing. Might have been state. Might have been state. We'll fact check that later. But 
it is kind of incredible that like if if the rules twenty five, the fact that like she's been one of the younger ones and pretty much everyone is still fifty sixty, um, that I, I would think she's certainly inspired quite a bit of a youth movement to be like, oh wait, we don't have to just elect 77, 78, 80-year-olds to this, and it is something to go out and take and talk about and, um, you know, be involved in. That, in the least, is, uh, I think, a lesson she showed the country. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thought. If you want to do a really quick, uh, I don't know, thought experiment is the right word for just allow this thought to bubble through your mind for a few seconds. Um, you know, is it that 50 to 60 to 70 year olds uh, are the leaders in Congress and the executive branch uh, because they are the most capable people? Or is it because those are the same ages of people who go vote? Huh, interesting. Never thought of that really before. Probably more the average age of the voter, yeah. I think um, that's kind of an interesting thought. I mean, because somebody, I mean, I feel like you could kind of throw in all kinds of ideas, because, like, right, she's against this this money and this corruption, and it's like, well, who has had the opportunity to advance and accumulate wealth and accumulate money and make connections and blah, blah, blah? Like, you're not going to do that overnight. I do think there's something to be said, though, for... And I'm not at all going to bash that we should, you know, that young people shouldn't have a voice whatsoever. But just to kind of put the other side on it, I mean, like you said, when you were 25, right, that's when you could run. And it's like, so I'm 30. So five years ago, have I grown, matured and learned an insane amount in the last five years? Absolutely. So, like, I feel like I would 100 percent be a more effective, not that I would at all be ready for it, but like I would be a much more effective congressman if Obviously, that would happen right now. I feel like then I would have been at 25. So, I mean, will I continue to grow and learn and expand and blah, 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 blah? And would I would I be able to use that experience to be a better leader? I mean, not necessarily, I guess, but I just I just can't I don't want to completely throw out the fact that, like, if you look at myself Mm -hmm. at 25 and at 30, I mean, it, it would be a joke to say that I wouldn't just for me personally, Ross speaking here. Like, yeah. you would laugh at 25-year-old Ross and 30-year-old Ross in terms of who would be more appropriate for that sort of role. Not that either would be ready for it, but if that makes sense. So I don't want to completely discount the idea that you do, yeah, at least gain some sort of knowledge, experience, whatever you want to call it, as you get a little, you know, just more experience in age. So um, I feel like it's one of those things that with most questions, it's probably a, a multitude of reasonings. It's probably mm-hmm. not just one thing, but... Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you guys think that her age so, – I mean, in terms of the, the splash that she's made politically, um, I mean, I think we've all mentioned that it's a pretty remarkable um, entrance she's made onto the political scene. Do you think her age has been a benefit for her or been a burden for her? Because I could certainly see what Ross is saying, like age, experience. A lot of people might not be comfortable with it, but certainly just the – uh, kind of the unicorn of being like a young Hispanic woman, you know, is is kind of a certainly gives you a little bit more notoriety. And just for a little bit of of reference, um, so the average age of a Congress of Congress people 
are is 57 I'm sorry for Congress it's 57.6 years for Senate it's 62.9 years so that's yeah. something interesting to consider just for I mean these are that's the average right so there's a good number of people older than that um holding these positions so I don't I don't know if that uh that puts any context to truly how remarkable um and how rare you know someone like AOC is well, the youth made her popular. The inexperience, I think, has uh, made it a bit harder to be super effective in Congress. I mean, Congress isn't meant to be like a very fast moving ship. But the House was certainly like two year terms, any age, like get new ideas in and out. And the Senate is more of an older, longer term chamber, six years minimum, you know, just like the elder statesmen who are going to veto most of the crazy things coming from the House. But like, um, it's a check and a balance between the two chambers to um, not change the original course of the country that much. It's a big shift that isn't going to turn on a dime to pass a Green New Deal the first run out of the gate. I think also, I mean, with her, though, it's not like she's just some random, oh, this 29-year-old. I mean, it's kind of marketed like that in a little bit way. Like, oh, some really young Hispanic woman that was a bartender is now a congresswoman. But it's like she, I mean... She went to Boston That's College. A good point. She, yeah. she, sir, right? She, like you said in the bio, right? She worked under Ted Kennedy. She was on the campaign for Bernie Sanders. It's not like she was like, oh, I've never heard of politics before, and I'm just this poor <clears throat> right. bartender that wants to get involved. Like she was educated, she was intelligent, she had worked yeah. in politics before. So, um, which maybe some people say makes Ted her Kennedy. better. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that's just Ted Kennedy. Maybe it's more of a perfect storm if she has the the youth. You know, all these things that are new, these new ideas. And yet at the same time, she was able to get in because of, um, yeah, I mean, she's clearly intelligent. She's educated, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, something uh, something you mentioned when you kind of gave your thought, uh, thoughts on this, the idea of um, you mentioned a movement, not an election. Um, I'm curious. I mean, this isn't just for us. So, I mean, whichever one of you guys feel strongly about it, just kind of throw it out there. Do you um, do you think the idea of a movement as opposed to an election and kind of a more of a policy type of thing is the idea of a movement more is that a good thing for our political scene right so is it, it makes it seem like politics is upstream of culture right so if you're if it's a political thing that makes a movement among the people for uh, as opposed to like vice versa does do the people kind of inform politics like what's uh, I don't know she seems to kind of toe the line with that sort of stuff with her speech um, what do you guys think about that sort of idea or that um, dynamic I mean first thoughts not being like an AOC expert but I think just from her the way she phrased her speech and kind of framed her speech I think she would almost approach it more as a well this isn't a politics or the people making the decision this is the people I don't want to say rising up because that almost that's pretty strong language, you know, but I feel like she would almost phrase it or pose it more as this is the people like I am. I'm not even when she says at one point, she says, like, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but she pretty much says, like, I didn't get elected. Cause I'm special or blah, blah, blah. Like, so I think she, at least in this movement or what she represents, she is at least seen to be the voice of the people. If that makes sense. So as opposed to like, oh politics starting it and moving it forward and the people having to follow i think what they're she's 
trying to do you could i mean the right might say she's market you know it's all marketing blah blah some other people might say oh no it's completely genuine whatever but like the what they're putting out is i think that she's kind of the voice of this people that have kind of said that movement's already started and she's the voice that's finally getting it into the actual political sphere if that makes sense um so but I don't know. So to answer your question, I don't know. So I don't know if that fully answers your question is as far as like, should it or should it not start there? But I think that that's at least how she, I kind of would, after listening to her speak a little bit, kind of think how she would frame it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think if you're talking about a movement with her, it's not that she's young. It's not that she came on the scene out of left field. Um, you know, she was a very public, high flying, I democratic socialists like i think much of the movement around her is that i'm sure we've had several democratic socialists in congress before um but at least not to this loud of a um uh loud of a platform and that i think has propelled like you know there used to be the right and the left and the center and we all agreed in capitalism and and certain uh, things somewhat fundamental to our country and democratic socialism probably in a lot of ways has not been a part of who we are, um, say for maybe, you know, some of the new deal FDR social programs. And I think she is very much standing on the socialistic socialism, economic socialism platform saying we need to extend it from Medicare and social security for you know, healthcare for all and education for all and uh, make more um, state run systems a part of different parts of the economy that perhaps are failing. And so I think that's where the movement comes in. No one's ever came out and just said that I ways to fix those things are our socialism and it could work. Uh, I mean, my my two cents, I mean, movement in itself, I mean, my association with the word or connotations, um, I see that more being a good thing. I mean, if people are able to connect with it and and uh, light a fire under their ass to get involved in politics, which my ass is among those who need to be lit because, you know, despite <laughs> caring, you know, I, I don't care. I mean, that's, that, I'm being vulnerable with our audience here. Like, I simultaneously care and don't care about politics here. Um, for, for common reasons, uh, that anyone would. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if she's able what's, to kind what's, of, what, what, what would be your main reason that you don't care? What would you say it is? not being able to make an impact. I mean, you're just one person in the whole 300 plus million in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Not being able to make an impact with your vote or just like being concerned with such national large affairs. Um, with my vote, ex- extend that second thought out a little bit more. Well, you're one of 300 million. Therefore, like it doesn't matter who I vote for or, you're one of 300 million. There's so much going on. I can only do what I can. Uh, I mean, both. I mean, I yeah. think both are pretty distinct. So, yeah. yeah. To somewhat echo Mike's sentiment, I struggle sometimes with um, 
being torn between, oh gosh, I really need to get involved. I really need to not run for election, but like, yeah, you know, take politics more seriously, try to take a more active role myself. But then the other side of me is like, I kind of just want to move to the middle of nowhere in Wyoming and just <laughs> never be heard from again. Like, right. I, I don't know. So um, when it comes to politics and yeah. you can hunt. Yeah, there you go. See, wins all around. But yeah, I feel like a little bit, and I don't want to get stuck too much in this. Kind of if it's as interesting as some of the other stuff Matt had planned. But to to try to answer your initial question, Matt, about the like, is that good or bad? Like, should they be the driving factor? You know, should politics be pushing this movement? I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of like, even amongst your politicians today, you see some are more maybe. I have these ideas that I want to get out there because I think they're going to help the people versus other politicians might say I was elected by the people. So, like, I'm going to vote however I feel like the people want. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's a necessarily – it's probably a mix of both like most things. But The fears I have with the idea of a – or maybe not fear. That might be too strong of a word. One of the concerns I suppose I have is um, – to me, it, it makes it seem as if, especially when these movements are associated with the government explicitly, um, is that like it, it kind of reduces our own agency to some degree or it um, kind of puts things in the hands of, uh, I mean, puts like the main factors of our life in the hands of the government, which I don't know if that's always the case. You know, like certainly there are, bad situations that the government may or may not be able to fix. But at the same time, like we all have personal agency. We all have, um, we all have that. And in addition, I, I mean, I also just have a lot of admiration for the system of government that we've built. And Landon, you kind of mentioned earlier how just the checks and balances in so many different ways, not just in like the three branches of government, but even with having a house and a Senate, right? So that the, House might come up with more ideas. The Senate is more of the slower moving. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Let's veto this. You know, it, it kind of a little bit more of a kind of pumping the brakes. Um, I guess I just have a lot of respect for that type of thing. And the idea of a movement makes it seem like we need to drastically alter our nation, which like certainly there are things we might be able to do better. But I don't know. I, I guess the, the movement language, especially with someone who's uh, – yeah, someone who's a democratic socialist, I think, gives me a little bit of pause or cause for concern that, um, yeah, there's there's too much haste in changing what I think is a pretty darn good system. I think that's a really good. Sorry, Matt, but to kind of bounce off your already well stated thoughts, um, I do think that there's something to be said for like <clears throat> it's in a way almost good that sometimes we move slow because. I mean, we don't want just every couple of years at the whims of, you know, this new idea to drastically change everything because that's just not going to work in the long term. You know what I mean? So I think that in some ways it's almost like an almost like evolution type thing. Right. It, it happens slow and it's kind of got to be like that for the long term success. Not to say that there aren't some things we need to have more urgency about. So um, but, yeah, kind of like you said, the this idea of just drastically jumping in and, oh, we have to change everything and. Maybe you were going to get to it in a little bit, but I think that's one thing, too. I think – I feel like overall I, re I liked her speech. I think she – I mean, she's a she's a good speaker. She's clearly very intelligent. I, she seems very genuine, you know, which I think a lot of politicians are not. So there's a lot of things I kind of admire about her in a way, but I think one of the ways I may be like mm, – I feel like she maybe 
turns me off a little bit is the fact that I kind of you kind of get this sense without her explicitly saying that, that things are just terrible. You know, we need we need this revolution almost to change everything. And um, yes, she's kind of a, an anomaly, like we said, in in Congress. But at the same time, like in this system that is supposed to be, you know, maybe they would say so terrible. Like, yeah, but a 29 year old, you know, minority woman just got elected to Congress, too. So, like, it's clearly not, you know, I mean, not to say it couldn't be better, but it's clearly not, you know, the worst thing in the world, if that makes sense. Um and we've kind of talked about that other on other podcasts with economy and, you know, the market and blah, blah, blah. But I think it goes too far to kind of frame it as, oh, things are awful and we need this drastic revolution to fix everything. I do think talking specifically about what she feels is perhaps the negative urgency. We need to act quickly and change the course because everything's going downhill. In her speech, she says, I'm giving a clear voice on the moral issues of our time. It is now uh, to us to voice them and work on them. We launched this campaign. And then in the next paragraph, so she's she's the candidate for the clear voice of the moral issues of our time. So what are those? Um, I think they're what she immediately said following that, which was um, we launched this campaign because no one was authentically talking about Corrupting role of money in politics, one. Uh, disturbing human rights violations being committed by ICE, number two. Uh, the entire generation is graduating with crippling loads of student debt, taking time bomb for the economy, which is number three. And then I would just say, I would say her fourth priority, given it's the main bill she sponsored, was climate change, Green New Deal. So are those things to act with urgency? If that's her platform, if that's why she wants to change the game as quickly as possible, is there is there water to that? Um, you know, gosh, climate change we've gone over for, and hell yes, it is a major issue. I mean, gosh, yeah, we're going to have no northern ice cap and probably uh, – <clears throat> probably 15 years during the summer. Um, but stu- so the audience has heard that point already. Student loan debt. I don't really feel too sorry for you to have a ton of student loan debt. Um, I mean, maybe I'm biased because my parents are paid for a significant portion, but definitely not all. Uh, little, little def- bit of, a little bit of privilege there. Little bit of privilege, but I had enough debt where it could have caused problems. Where it could have caused problems for sure. So, but I mean, at the same time, it, it's it's great that she's putting putting some uh, force behind these things. I'm I'm reminded of a quote from um, is it Alice in Wonderland or the sequel? What's the weird sequel to Alice in Wonderland that no one has really read? I forget. But it is, if you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. This whole idea is that in order to get anything done, like if you want to lose weight, you cannot lose weight generally if you're like, I just need to lose 10 pounds. No, you need to be like, something changed big in my life. Okay? So... You know, yeah, nothing's going to change if we don't 
at, we won't kind of adopt the sort of attitude that she has here. So those, those are my thoughts. Landon, you um, you seemed to just in previous discussions, you seem to know the most about like some of the ca- campaign finance stuff. Yeah, and you pointed out actually a video to me in terms of her her giving a pretty uh, pretty brutal questioning of some people, like just to make a, a really good point. I think about campaign finance. Would you mind kind of explaining some of that and and going that route? Because I think that's something that I was not aware of um, really before investigating the speech yeah i think the summary of it would be uh it was a congressional testimony with lobbyists and some of the regulating bodies and you know you can you can work for a lobbying firm and get paid by them and then switch and be a congressman or work for one of the bureaucracies um like the department of ag or the department of justice or the department of defense um and you can kind of stack the deck for yourself or the company that you are representing to make laws to require that certain products need to be bought in order for like the regulation to be passed. Just, I would say the best examples are, you know, going to work for a major, you know, chemical company and then turning around and working at the EPA and deciding how and what's going to get regulated. Um, there were some other nuanced ones where it's like even all the little steps in between that of like when are you allowed to um, <clears throat> sue and not sue. I think she just broke that down uh, really clearly and had like a great understanding that um, I mean, if every American watched that five minute clip, I think they'd I think we'd have congressional term limit limits um, on the ballot quickly. Uh, so I, I do think she's on to something there and. You know, Republicans and Democrats hate that about her. Um, I found some other research. They're going to redraw the boundaries for New York congressional districts. And she kind of took out that longtime incumbent. And I think it'll be hard for her. Might be hard for her to get reelected just because, um, you know, she upset some of the power dynamic that even exists um uh, within her contingent, even though she's probably the most famous Democrat congresswoman. Yeah, no, I was really grateful that you pointed that out because, um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned an idea I'm not comfortable with and just kind of how fast she's acting. And but uh, but yeah, like that was something I really got on board with her about. Ross or Mike, did, did you have any thoughts about campaign finance stuff in general or um, about the just the, that kind of influence on politics? Specifically to the like, Landon was able to just talk about that. Absolutely not. I do not have anything like that to say. But that being said, I do think that's one of the things I kind of like you said, just like her pretty much. I mean, I would use the word attack on like she, you know, money or corruption in government. Like kind of like I mean, yeah, echoing what Matt just said. Like I feel like that's one of the things I would be pretty on board with um, what AOC is trying to do. Um, <clears throat> maybe more so than some of the other things she talks about. But uh, and I think it's I mean, it's kind of that that's kind of her thing, though. Like we talked about, she's starting a movement and she I mean, I use the word attack right there. And I don't think that's a wrong word to place there. I mean, just watching her speak. Um, I mean, she taught I mean, to, if, any, if no one's ever watched her speak, she speaks quickly. She she raises her voice, she uses her hands like she displays this sense of urgency. I mean, in every, like everything she does, like um, and I think that's one thing that. Kind of like you said, I mean, she's a, I, she seems to not have been 
corrupted. It's it's almost like she's trying to make. It's almost like it's intentional. Her her um, uh, urgency. I don't want to say rashness. Um, just the way she moves, the way she speaks. Um, but yeah. So as far as that, yeah, nothing specific like Landon said. But I do think I'd be pretty on board with her passion about that uh, particular thing. I think I think I have I have another story that really exemplifies who she is and why she's popular and why I would think the powers that be aren't a huge fan still. Um, this happened like two weeks ago. It was during the Democratic National Convention. It was all virtual. And the one time she spoke, she spoke and she's like, I nominate Bernie Sanders for the president of the United States on the Democratic ticket. And it looked like she was backing Bernie when clearly like Biden has already won this thing. And, oh, AOC is now rejecting Biden and still like trying to get Bernie elected. And NBC News chalked it up like, look at AOC bucking the trend. She's she's all Bernie and isn't falling in party line. She's such a rebel and shorten the clip in such a way that AOC didn't look great. And I'm like, oh, man, there's like a faction in the, the DNC convention couple of days go by and she tweets out every step of what had actually happened at the DNC. They always tip their hat to the person who got second. Um, hey, we nominate Bernie Sanders. It's kind of a formality. Thank you for running and pushing the party. Um, she did that voluntarily. Yeah, sure. I'll, I do like Bernie. I'm a Democratic Socialist as well. Um, I will be the one to formally kind of just say I nominate him. They knew it was going to look weird. So they sent it to the news outlets like, hey, we always do this thing. It's it's not real. It's a formality. It's part of the process. Um, like, don't chalk it up as like some big issue, um, which is weird. That's a little bit of collusion with the media, perhaps. But they told all the networks to not do that. But that doesn't make for good clickbait. So the networks cut the 20 seconds, make AOC look bad. And then basically what she did over Twitter and Instagram and a couple places, like she walked this out and was like, here's how it worked on the back end and why this looked bad and what the media ended up doing to kind of just like stir fear, divisiveness, clickbait. And the fact that she is going through this process, being a congresswoman, and I think you know, it's it's pretty large. It's complex. We all learn it about it in civics and high school, but there's so much to it. And she's going through it with like fresh eyes and quite a bit of vulnerability. And sometimes she does like make herself look stupid, to be frank. But she's like putting herself in front of the camera. And as she learns the processes, she's like walking, you know, kind of an entire generation through it and pointing out all the holes and that ability to use social media to shed so much visibility and transparency on some really weird things is where she really shines and I think like embodies who she is. The switch fingers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I was, I was going to say, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of good things in terms of how, well, I mean, uh, throughout the podcast, I think we've mentioned, um, several things. One, like obviously young, um, vibrant and a lot of energy, um, wants to move fast. Um, Two, um, she's kind of with that youth. Um, I don't know if innocence is the right word, but seems very like wholehearted and genuine about like these certain principles, like getting money out. Um, you know, she doesn't seem as influenced by some of like the dirty types of things. Um, 
that you often see in politics. Um, and I guess another theme and kind of this, this might be kind of going into like just the strong language, the, the desire to move quickly. Um, but she uses the term, um, rights and uses the term moral issues to, to kind of describe things. And I think those are two very strong pieces of language. Um, the rights one I think is really interesting to talk about. So like she mentions explicitly in the speech about healthcare being a right. Um, she kind of tangentially mentions in the speech, but definitely explicitly mentions if you look at her, her campaign website, um, about college education being a right, about jobs being a right. Um, what is it that humans are truly entitled to? Cause I think this might be a big question that doesn't get talked about on campaign stages because there's no clickbait that you can, you know, there's no campaign slogan that you can come up with from, from like a really heavy philosophical conversation, or at least it's harder to, um, so like, what are our rights? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, and that's sort of, ironically, kind of the foundation of politics. I mean, it's the foundation of the United States, right? Um, the found, wait, the bill, the bill of rights, the, um, that we're in. Part, part two, part two of the Constitution, the sequel. Okay, okay. And, right, you know, just using an example, like, is healthcare a right? I mean, I'll tell you how my mind works. My, my knee-jerk reaction is some basic healthcare relative to your own country is some kind of right, right? <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> Um, but I mean, there of course has to be some element of non-rights to it. And I would say the antithesis being, um, just simply capitalism. If you have more money than you have, then you have a different sort of right to live in a different way. I mean, it's, that's not that's not right. <laughs> There's way too many puns in this little bit here. Um, you know, it's not right to impose on others um, what you're going to spend your money on. At the same time, let's do another little thought experiment. I don't know what it's like to be a really poor person who has crappy health and sees everyone around, sees more than one person in their life dying from a preventable condition because they couldn't afford a certain level of health insurance, right? I mean, that's, that's realistically speaking, has to eat away at you, especially if that happened to your grandpa and your aunt or uncle and to your sibling. I mean, gosh, that's that's really going to affect you um, for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, we didn't, I mean, our grandmas, when they were born, like, within a couple of years, like, they couldn't even vote in this country, right? So, like, I think the system the founders set up had all of the right language that at the time of signing was more aspirational than reality at the day, and it took us a hundred years just to get basic voting rights to pretty much everyone. 
and owning property, which was also step one. And then working out the legalities and regulation and, and implementing that, I think, certainly took up until just several decades ago. And now we have this huge, prosperous, unbelievable economic engine with all kinds of perhaps disparity among incomes and healthcare and education. And is it, is it, are we able to say like, well, we've, you know, we've got the basic human rights now is a job and college and some level of healthcare, like the next thing we can do because, um, we've figured out some of the easy stuff and we, we have the ability to, do for the least of these as we do to ourselves, perhaps. Yeah, that that's an interesting idea. I understand exactly what you're trying to say, but it, it elucidates for me some concept. I don't know what the word is for it, but it seems like there must be a word for it where it does, it sort of, illuminates what a right actually is. A right is not just like, you know, the bottom, applying the bottom 30% of intellectual and economic and social wealth to every single person, point blank, but rather it is something core, it is something a priori, you could say. Um, So here's another sort of thought experiment, experiment for you. You give all women voting rights for you, or you don't have voting rights for women. I mean, that's clearly an oppressive idea, right? Um, but just giving everyone $60,000 per year, or yeah, I, I don't know, maybe someone else can help fill out this. It's a, a bit. it's, yeah, it's different. It's not a little less basic perhaps perhaps more solving for an inequality than a human right but i think i think the rights as written in the constitution were still probably a little relative did did you know that you had the right to vote in your country when you grew up in a monarchy like that wasn't a thing in the 1750s yeah right until america said it was yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Like when you said, like, are these things rights? Like, in a way, like, well, where are you looking to get your rights? And I think, right? I mean, even our, I mean, the we declare these, like, these these ideas, like these inalienable yeah. rights that we can't even touch. But it's like we yeah. kind of pick what's the right and what's not. So kind of like you said, I mean, if you ask somebody two hundred years ago, you know, they would have wanted those. I mean, what we would say now, very basic, obvious things. And then you yeah. if you ask a millennial today, it's like, well, yeah, I want health. I mean, I want these basic, obvious things. But then, say we all get it in 200 years, or is everybody gonna? Is it gonna be? A, you know, is it gonna? And not to like, I'm not trying to speak negatively on the idea, but just to kind of take the point further, like, if we all get that, if healthcare is universal and is awesome, and everybody gets a college education, is all of a sudden is grad school right? Is a, right. I mean, yeah. you can just go on and on yeah. and on as we make progress. Um, so I think. Go ahead. No, I, I I think part of what it is is she speaks. There's a sense anytime somebody has something you don't and you want it, it's that's not fair, right? So, um, I mean that's kind of like you you kids say that a lot. I mean there's just this kind of in, innate sense like that's not fair. They have this I want I 
and not, not say that that's a bad thing. Like, I mean, some of these things probably are rights and we should have, but I think sometimes we toe the line a little bit between are we establishing these basic rights that we think everybody should have, or are we just trying to give people what other people have, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think in some instances, I think she has a lot of weight behind what she's saying. Um, and, and maybe others, it's a little bit more of a, she's kind of using that as fuel, I guess, this idea that, you know, other people have this, I should have it too, you know, as opposed to, is this really a right or is this just something like maybe they got lucky or something like that? And not to say that we shouldn't try to work to give that to everyone, but, you know, to say it's an actual right that we should, you know, the government must provide for us. That's just, that's a big step to take. Um, Correct. Yeah. I think something interesting too is like, I think we can argue a little bit about like, well, what's a right in the constitution? You know, what does it say? What do we actually get? I think what AOC has done or, and maybe is a little bit new is kind of say like, Oh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if she's actually said this. I'm speaking of the sense of, I get when I hear her speak is kind of like, well, I don't care. This is how it should be. You know what I mean? She's not afraid to take on even like, I I mean, a lot of people would say, you know, Oh, I feel like the constitution says this, right? I mean, we have Supreme court justices that argue about what the constitution Mm -hmm. may or may not say, Mm -hmm. but I feel like she kind of represents a thought that's like, why are we, necessarily stopped by that you know so say it's you know she has a little bit more of a fearlessness to not be afraid or to go beyond it i guess if that makes sense yeah i think um that fearlessness might be yeah an interesting way to kind of think an interesting a good note to kind of categorize her on in general right just being so young being so uh successful this early on and just being such a loud voice and prominent voice for, for our kind of our generation, so to speak. Um, with that, let's end with one final question. And that final question is, where will AOC be in 30 years? Will she be president, former president, political has been, kind of the angry outsider who's more liberal than everyone, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders? The future Speaker of the House, who's too moderate for younger liberals, aka Nancy Pelosi. Like, where do you guys see her as thirty years from now? Next, Nancy Pelosi. That was a great finishing question, too, Matt. Similar, but as opposed to too moderate for the youngers, I still think she'll be too far too liberal to gain enough support to get past what Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, I don't think she'll be Speaker of the House because that's decided on by the House and they don't they usually run more to the middle. Um, I think she's got a far better shot at being president than like Speaker of the House. I think I think she'll be, you know, she is the next Bernie. Um, Give her five, six, ten years and maybe she's on the VP ticket first. You know, at the lowest, she'll be like a Paul Ryan with Mitt Romney VP ticket. I might flame out then, but um, I think I think she'll have a lot of staying power and have to be reckoned with. Gosh, I'm really mixed on it simply because, I mean, you alluded to it earlier on with just some of the old money, so to speak, um, and just kind of seeing how the Democratic Rep- Party yeah. responded to Bernie's Right. nomination. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm thinking she might be more, I could see the, the VP, um, the VP ticket. 
Um, but maybe falling out of the the public after that, I think that would kind of be my stance. But but yeah, I think that was a good speech tonight, guys. I think that's a wrap. Cut it. <laughs>